For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Davey Hudson alongside former Titan Denard Walker, and we got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to get into the three things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. And our main story today, we're going to do sort of a rapid-fire style. There's several different topics we need to get into, so we're going to kind of go around the horn, talk about a few things here and there, and try to get you as caught up as possible on everything that is going on for the Tennessee Titans as we gear up for the 2020 NFL season. But before we get started, I want to ask, do you believe three things that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. Number three, the Titans are to begin reporting to training camp this coming Thursday. Now, not everyone's going to be reporting this Thursday. People are going to show up over the course of the next week, but as COVID testing is going to be a factor in how this season really begins and we see how it plays out, that is something that Denard and I will discuss a little bit more as we get started to let you know how that is supposed to take place. Number two on the list, we're moving Clowny Watch down. But don't worry, because it will be back to number one after this week. It's just a special occasion. So, I know we've talked about it a little bit as it's related with COVID and bringing people in for physicals. That is still yet to happen, but that really is the next step to get Clowney in to sign him. And if that happens, I mean, I think Tennessee, you're looking at an incredible offseason. And really, when you, you boil it down, I can't think of anything else that you would have done differently. Because you've locked up your two franchise key pieces on offense for the next several years. And if you get him to sure up the defensive side of the ball, we're rolling in the money. That will transition us to number one on the list. We did have a special episode. Denard and I broke down the news that Derrick Henry and the Titans had agreed on a long-term deal for Derrick to stay in Tennessee. Now, to kind of tie two and one together with signing Henry to that deal, that is going to add some extra cap space for the Titans. Now, according to Over the Cap, the Titans have over $23 million in cap space, so that's plenty of money to go out and sign Jadavion Clowney. And even when Clowney was asking around that $20 million range, which he's not going to get, but if the Titans wanted to, they would have the money to pay him. But the Henry deal is great. Denard and I are going to talk a little bit more about that. And so we just got a whole lot coming up. But those are the three things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. And we got a rapid-fire show coming up for you. We're going to get to several different topics, and so stick with us. And it's going to be great to figure out what all is happening across the NFL, because there is a lot. So let's go ahead and dive on in. And so, Denard, before we get started, I want to ask, man, how are you doing? Did you have a good week? I had a great week, man. Just stayed out of the heat, took my daughter swimming. So for the most part, it's been very relaxing, so no complaints on my part. It's great to hear. Denard, we did a special on this last week. Whenever the news broke, we weren't expecting it to happen, but the Titans and running back Derrick Henry were able to come to terms on an agreement to lock him in for four years, $50 million, with $25.5 million guaranteed. The, the big thing right now is, all right, the Titans, they have their centerpieces on the offensive side of the ball set for the next several years. And I, I know you've kind of talked on this before, but I just want to go ahead and ask you again, how are you feeling knowing 
that Derrick Henry is going to be with the Titans, at least for the foreseeable future. It starts with the 1,540 yards last year that he rushed for, NFL rushing title, over 300 carries, 18 total touchdowns, AFC championship they lost, came close, and not to mention, he gashed New England, was 182 rushing yards last year in the playoffs, and then he put 195 against Baltimore. So for me, Derrick basically is like put up a shut up, and he put up last year. And that's one of the reasons why, if you're the Titans fans, you are excited that you got, I like to call him the train. He's coming back for at least another two years in Nashville. So when I look at what he's done on the field, I think his performance uh, speaks for itself. No, I'm with you. And, and as I kind of alluded to, and you mentioned it there, the at least for two years, the Titans did a really good job on that deal as far as not setting them up for something that could really hurt them in the long run, especially whenever you're talking about cap space. So I think it's the best of both worlds, knowing that you got Henry coming back for the next couple of years, and it's not a situation where if things don't go according to plan, you set yourself up for failure whenever you're looking at the rest of the cap. Now, Denard, something that came out yesterday, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting, and, and you know me whenever it comes to the analytics, but NextGen Stats has released a new formula, and this stat is called expected yards per carry. So what NextGen Stats is trying to do for this metric is they are taking into account not just the running back, but the offensive line, and they are formulating how many yards the running back should actually get versus what he actually does. The best way to do this is just kind of read this brief little passage here. But So think of it like this. Like expected completion percentage and expected catch rate, expected yards per carry will help isolate the individual performance of an offensive player. In this case, we're talking about the ball carrier. From the circumstances around him, including the effectiveness of his blockers, taking into account defensive alignment, the number of defenders in the box versus number of blockers and other key factors, we now have a metric that will help provide quantitative proof of an offensive line's effectiveness separate from rushing yardage totals. And Denard, you kind of gave Derrick Henry's stats over last year. So as I kind of go into this, it, it sounds as if the running back is tied to the metric, but it also reflects the performance of the run blockers on an individual play because it tells you how many yards the ball carrier should have gained based on the situation around him on the field, including the positioning of the lineman in relation to defenders, whether the ball carrier reaches, exceeds, or falls short of the expected yards per carry mark, helps reveal how effectively he plays his role in the symbiotic relationship between offensive linemen and running backs. And while the mark itself tells us about the effectiveness of his supporting cast. So, number one in the NFL. You want to take a guess at who it was last year? Most Derek expected Henry. yards per carry? That is correct, sir. It is Derrick Henry. Derrick, as you mentioned, he had 5.1 yards per carry. The way they set this up, him alone added 1.05 rushing yards over expectation. So, taking everything into account, he gained 314 yards more than expected. NFL.com had this to say, we shouldn't be surprised. All it takes is viewing one Titans game in which Henry almost single-handedly put the opponent away, rumbling right through feeble tackle attempts for first down after first down and eventually a will-breaking score or two. To know he's doing more than the average back, as you'll see Henry, who recently signed a well-deserved four-year $50 million deal with the Titans, was the only running back in the entire league to post a rushing yards over expectation per attempt of more than one yard in 2019. Only 10 running backs in the entire league posted a rate of .55 yards or better, and only two were even within .25 yards on average of Henry's mark. 
He was really damn good in 2019 running behind an offensive line that was adequate, but not quite 1,521 rushing yards in a season good. No, those extra 314 yards between expectation and reality were all Henry's doing. He's the rushing king in more ways than one, and his rushing over yards expected per attempt of 1.08 in 2018 proves he's not just a one-hit wonder. Essentially, they said, taking his stats from the year before in 2018, he actually did worse this past season in how many yards he gained versus what he was expected to gain. So after reading that, I know it was a lot. I know diving into that, there there was a ton there. But to really just break it all down, what we got for him for the four-year $50 million, totally worth that right there. First of all, let me just say this, Davey. I was getting ready to walk off this show. You I went I deep, know. man. I went I way know. too deep. You, you went so deep. You reminded me of my geometry teacher. I used to tell her every morning. I said, ma'am, can you please just stop? Make it easy for all of us. That's my Especially only the, analytical I comment know. for today, Denard. Let me That's tell you something. Now, I know you're smart because, first of all, you went to law school. And I can tell the, from the way that you, how you presented that. But I'm different. See, I've been hit in the head for a long time. I've had a lot of conc- well, not really, but let me just say this. You said the 1.15. So I'm pretty good. I'm pretty decent at math. I won't give myself like I'm not like you. I was a pretty decent student. But I will say this. This is what it boils down to a coach. What they basically explain is really the rules of the game. This is how coaches expect things to go, but it doesn't always work that way. Last year, did you see Derek running for 1500 over 1500 yards rushing? Did you, like, I, did was you I expecting that before that? the season? Yeah. I wasn't going to go up to 1,500. Yeah, I thought he was going to get over 1,000. Okay. Well, most backs do in the league, typically. But let's just say this. And nobody ever was – they never saw where Todd Gurley basically – he would be in Atlanta what, in 2020 as opposed – you thought this guy was on his way to a Hall of Fame career if he was looking from the metric situation. See, I have a different perspective because I look at it at a player's – I see it as a player's perspective. And when you said the 1.15 yards, 1.05, one point, I'm sorry, 1.05. I'm going to go, listen, if this was a math <laughs> question, I'm going to do it my way. And if the teacher market wrong, I'm going to go to it and say, no, 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 ma'am. There's always two sides of the story. And there's always different ways you can get an answer. Those are called yards after contact, which basically means every coach always teaches the back one thing, get past the first line of defense. The rest is up to you. So that's where, when you see that 1.05, Calculate that by 16 games, and then you get the 300 yards or so more rushing. See, I did it my way, broke it down the what I call the dummy way, and we got the same answer. <laughs> it works, man. Hey, if, if, if it works for you, go for it. You know what? Somebody told me, you need to study. Learn how to study the way you see things, and it make things a lot better. These metric guys all day long come up with all these analysis metrics, statistics. Listen, when it boils down at the end of the day, that's it, that's what's supposed to happen. But that's the way coaches teach you. First of all, everything is predicated on what? Your interior alignment, your offense and defense alignment. One of the best things about football is this. Go ask Emmett Smith. He's in the Hall of Fame, but he didn't get there alone. He had the Great Wall of Dallas. Nate Newton, Stepnowski, all those Tuane. All those Hall of Fame, uh, Larry Allen, all those great linemen. You show me a team that has a stud running back, and I show you a team with a great offensive line. The bottom line, that's what Titans got. They got a good. I'm not saying they're great, but they're pretty doggone good. 
And when you got a good line and you got a you got a terrific electric running back in the back, anything's possible. Look at Denver. Look at what happened all those years that they were basically stacking guys in the backfield. And every year they were rushing for over a hundred over a thousand yards a season. It's Terrell Davis, Orlandis Gary, Mike Anderson, the list goes uh Ruben Drones, Clinton Portis. You see where I'm going with this? It's all predicated up front. So sometimes if there's no continuity in the offense or the defense line, then guess what? Chaos only ensues on a football team. That's where it all works. That's how I break it down and I see it. Because that, that metric stuff had my head hurting. No, I'm with you. And I, I kind of like how you, you went and you made it to where the phrase you used, I mean, that's just yards after contact. Right. And that's a really good way to look at it. And and so in, in Derek's case, and I mean, just talking about having a good offensive line, Derek was fortunate to where he wasn't in a situation to where he got hit in the backfield a ton. And then, so just allowing him to get a head of steam is something to where once he does make contact with that first defender, he's able to at least fall forward. And that's what you saw time and time again last year with Derek was, or, or just really over the course of his time in college, in the NFL, once he gets hit, if he's going down, he's at least going down forward and he can usually stretch it out for a yard and a half to two more yards after that initial contact there. So that's that's something, but just went ahead and yeah, they oh, came no up problem. with a nice formula for it. And so I probably wouldn't have hit it unless that, that no. came out yesterday. That no, I love it. I love the yesterday. way you explained it, no, because you, you, you got to have two sides. You know, that's just the way it works. It's great, though. And that's what makes it. It's our yin and yang, man. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. So, hey, I love the way you said that. So, hey, and both of it, it's right. I mean, technically, that's the way the game is supposed to be played when you break it down like that. But it's great news to have Derek in Nashville for the foreseeable future. And with that said, speaking of Nashville, the team, they put out the statement that we're going to be reporting to camp. And so the Titans, they're kind of having to phase in different parts of a plan because of, again, dealing with the coronavirus. But the statement that the Titans put out was training camp is going to look much different this year, especially at the start. And unfortunately, for the fans' perspective, practices at St. Thomas Sports Park won't be open to fans, which the NFL has mandated. But the team is exploring ways to virtually engage with fans during training camp practices to replace the in-person contact that normally occurs. They wanted us to let let you all know that details are to come on that. But here is what is going to happen as far as players reporting. Quarterbacks, rookies, and players coming off injuries can begin reporting to the facility this coming Thursday. And the team's remaining veterans will report next Tuesday. So that's where we're at. We're going to have these guys come in. Uh, The other note is that in the beginning, players are going to be tested every day for the coronavirus. That's a pretty penny. So the NFL saying, hey, we're doing this every day lets me know that they are committed to having the season take place. They are kind of, I know there was a little bit of frustration there. Hey, the NFL hasn't said what's going to happen. Some of the players were speaking up on Twitter. They're like, hey, you know, we've, we've not really addressed any of these issues. We need to come together and get something going. The NFL has stepped up. They have also countered with offering the PA zero preseason games. I know we, Denard, you and I have talked about how they've already cut that down to two preseason games so far. Uh, I don't believe the NFL PA has accepted that offer yet, but I'm sure that that'll be coming here soon. And I don't expect to see any preseason games happening. But Denard, I wanted to get your take. What is this like? Obviously, the players being put in a new situation. But again, when we're not going to have one preseason games the amount of contact that's going to be taking place is going to be limited. And 
just the interactions are going to be reduced, at least in a face-to-face capacity. Taking all that in, like, what is your thoughts versus how you experienced going through training camp and what that meant once you all got into the season? Well, it's going to be different. It's, it's different right now for all of us. You know, we're literally in a pandemic. We're not at the beginning. We're not at the middle. We're not at the end of this thing. We're still in it. You know, we, it's like we, we're just right at the same place we were back two or three months ago when it first started, what, in March? So the way that I look at it is this. Guys have been basically complaining about the preseason being too long anyways. So that's not a big issue. If you can just go out there and practice and get your, you know, get your work in and get your steps down and, and, and develop some continuity, I, I really don't see uh, having zero preseason games would not have an effect on guys at all because guys do not really want to play in the preseason. Anyway, the preseason is for young guys. Typically, your veterans won't even play. Your star players are not going to play in fear that one of them might get hurt. So that that would be. That's not a problem for the veterans, just for the rookies. Now, that's that's another issue because, again, without any preseason, what are you going to do about the guys that you bring into camp? How are you going to see these guys perform? That would be the question mark that I would have for the NFL. And I would say to guys that are coming in, free agents, uh, basically it's going to be tough for you to make the team. That's the only negative part that I see. Now, yeah, and it, what's so hard about that situation is a lot of coaches and GMs, executives, they want to see how young guys respond in a game-type tempo, not necessarily practice. you got a lot of guys that will come in, and they will practice great, but when they get in a game-type of situation, they basically sometimes fear or, you know, they just don't do as well. So some, that's one of the things they want to see in the younger guys that they're bringing in. Now, my, my thing with the fan participation wise, that's going to be tough. That would be tough for me because what really gets you through training camp is the fan participation, the interaction that you have with the people that it gives the fans a chance to get close to you and you close to them. It's the, it's the one time of year where there's no distance between the fan and the players. So it gives them a chance to come in and meet and greet. And it gives you a chance to talk to people that you've never met before. You get a chance to meet your fans. And usually for us, on when it was just dog days and you're tired, what gets you through a lot of those times is when you have the fans out there cheering you on and, and knowing that these little kids get a chance to carry your pads and just little things, just the little things that, that we take for granted sometimes as players, uh, that's going to be taken away. So don't get used to, you know, everybody's going to have to adjust to this in every sport. You see it in UFC, you see it in soccer, you see it in baseball, you see it in basketball. They will adjust and fans will adjust as well. Now, as far as when you're talking about players, the, the distancing part, that's not going to work. I don't know. This is going to be very interesting because football is a sport where there has to be interaction, physical interaction. Okay. we you got to grind a little bit. If you're not going to have any preseason games, a lot of the work, a lot of the hitting is going to come in practice. So that would be the biggest question mark is how are you going to separate the DBs and the receivers? You know, sometimes, you know, that that part, they'll work around it. I mean, there's just so many issues right now, but they'll, they'll work around it in due time. I think as, as it relates to the, the interactions, it was more so if you're not actually practicing at the time, mm-hmm. more so of like people just hanging out within the same room, watching film, they're wanting to at least spread people out, not to have them in as many areas to where they would come in contact. According to a memo obtained by ESPN, this goes back to testing, the NFL and the NFL Players Association will require daily COVID-19 testing for the first two weeks of training camp 
after two weeks, if the positive test rate is below 5%, the league would scale back to testing every other day. If the positive test rate is not below 5%, they will continue with daily testing until such time as it falls below that number. If the positivity rate hits 5% or higher at any point, they go back to daily testing until it comes down again. It's going to be an adjustment period for all of us. And I'm sure those guys, they're pros. They know how to work around this. This won't be something that, at least in my opinion, it will not be a distraction because they understand what's at stake. They understand that their health is more important than gaining wealth, you know, at this time of year. And, And listen, you get a chance to go back to work. You get a chance to play a game. But again, they know just like every other job out there, there's a lot of jobs that are not reopening. There's a lot of people that are working from home. This is an adjustment period. Uh, A lot of times you can't even go to the doctor now. Everything is done like what we're doing right now through Zoom, you know. So right now it's going to be an adjustment period for everybody. But I know that the NFL, they will find a way to get through this situation and get get this game going. And I know players, because they are professional, they will work around all the little things that are like maybe distractions to us, it won't be a distraction to them. I I truly believe that's the difference between professionals and younger folks is that they, at this age and at this stage, they know better. On top of that, as far as just getting acclimated and adjusted, we're, we're now, I guess, under the assumption that our first game or the first time that we will be seeing the Titans on the field is going to be September 14th. That is a Monday night where we kick off the season against the Denver Broncos. So looking at that, we're about a month and three weeks away from getting the season underway. So now my question now is, doesn't look as though there's going to be preseason. Having that much time between now and then without any actual play against another team, I know you said it's probably it's going to be sloppy just getting things started. On top of that, is there something that fans should probably be on the lookout for, be more prone to injuries in such a situation? Yeah, you know what? I had mixed feelings when we talked about that last week about things being sloppy. I'm going to go back and I'm going to take that back, what I said about things being sloppy, because I've had a chance really to follow a lot of guys on social media. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of guys out there grinding right now. Listen, when you're paid, just like you take Derek, for instance, you know, you're making $25 million in the next two years. You don't need motivation to get up and work out. You know, I've been following him on his YouTube channel, and he is working as hard as I've seen anybody work out there. Uh, Stephon Diggs, these guys are grinding. So my thing is, and I know last I talked about sloppiness, I don't think it's going to be an issue. And what I, the reason I say this is they got a month and about three weeks to get ready. And for professional athletes, they know what it takes. They know what to do. They know how to develop chemistry. They know how to develop continuity. That's what it is to be a pro. And the reason that preseason games is not going to hurt because guys have been advocating for years that they don't want preseason. It's too long anyways. It's too taxing. And you're not playing for anything, especially for an older vet. So I I don't see no, I don't see basically, I don't see no fall off. I think when they get down to Denver and play in Vesco Field, they're going to be ready. I truly feel like, you know what, they're going to be up to speed. It may take a few, a few games to get up to what I call football speed get in football shape because it's different when you're going against somebody else other than your own teammates. You know, I feel like that I was gonna say I feel like that happens every year. I guess whenever I'm I'm hearing sloppy play, I'm I'm yeah. typically thinking more from the mental side of things, yeah. such as false start penalties, jumping off sides. Like I, I figured that's something that I would see a little bit more early on. But again, a thing that you have to take into consideration on that side as well, it doesn't look as though 
if there are going to be fans, it's not going to be enough to where it's going to be able to mess up the cadence or anything. So no. at, at that point, you shouldn't have a, oh, the crowd noise got to me and it made right. me false start. So that those two things would kind of counteract against each other. And again, it's it's the first time we're seeing anything like this that will be taking place. So I guess I'm, I'm kind of with you on the sloppy. I, I think it, like you said, there's still going to be a few games that it's going to take to get adjusted, but nothing that's too much different than your every other year. No, it's the fan participation is the biggest question mark that I have because to me, what makes a game, what really embodies the game of football, any other sport, that's the greatest thing about America is what makes our sport sport franchises what they are today is the fan participation. You think of Green Bay. When you think of Green Bay, you just don't think about Aaron Rodgers. You don't think about Britt Favre. You don't think about all the Bart Starr. You don't think about all the, you think about that. Yes, those, that's what you go and see. But you think about the cheese heads. When you think about Colorado, when you think about Denver, you think about that, that big old white horse every time the Broncos score. When you think about Tennessee, you're thinking about the Titans. You're thinking about, you know, just the colors, the pageantry of the game. That's what we're going to miss seeing on television. You know, that's, that's, that's the hardest part Denard, of the you, Man, you started with the Green Bay Packers and the I'm first sorry. thing that came to my mind. No, no, I, I have nothing against the Packers. I was going to say the thing that comes to my mind is the Lambeau Leap. You ain't yeah. getting the Lambeau Leap this year. No Lambeau Leap, man. And that's the thing. How do you, the thing about it with the social distancing, it's like soccer. They can't even like basically give each other like high fives. So when you score a goal, I like to see when guys are dancing. I like to see when guys are doing the mamba, you know, just just having fun. So the question that I would have, and I think what's going to be the hardest adjustment for the guys when they take the field, especially on game day, is looking in the, the stands and not seeing probably like the Houston when they went on strike that year, 96, and they at the uh, Alamo Dome, and they had like 30 people in a big old Alamo Dome when the Oilers, when they found out they were moving to Tennessee and all of the people in Houston boycotted the games. And when you looked in the stands, it was like 20 people. You know how big the Alamo Dome was? I mean, the Astrodome. Was it the Astrodome? I'm sorry, the Ast- Alamo Dome is in San Antonio. The Astrodome. <laughs> and they had this big old dome, and there's like 30 people. <laughs> big stand. So how do you get up for that? You know, how do you get excited? You know, and that's the thing they're going to have to work around is the fan participation. That's what gets guys going. Is when you when you play in the university at University of Tennessee, when you hear that dun, 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 when you hear that fight song, you're going crazy, and you see all of that orange and white. When you at LSU and you see Mike the Tiger come out, and you hear that roar, that gets people excited. It gets the crowd electric. It gets the atmosphere, you know, just wild and crazy. And that's what gets guys going is you feed off the fans. If you got fans that basically you can literally hear a pin drop, I guarantee you your football team or your sports franchise is not that good. <laughs> like I'm upset fans won't be there, or obviously if they are, it's a, at a limited capacity. But I'm just at the point, man, like I just I just need football back. Like I just it's, – it's one of those things where we've talked about on the show how, I mean, that is a thing to where it doesn't really matter your race, creed, religion on Sundays whenever you're able to get together and support your team. Everyone comes together as one. And then my final thing I wanted to ask you about tonight, Denard, is right now the NFL and Oakley look as, as though they are partnering for a face shield. It looks similar to the typical visors that you've seen in the past, but it actually comes down and covers the mouth and the nose area completely. This was the alternative to playing with a 
some sort of mask. What are your thoughts on, one, being able to play at a high level, and then two, do you see a lot of players wanting to opt to have that mask on their helmet? Well, I had a chance face to shield see on their helmet. Yeah, the face shield. It's, it's actually pretty cool, to be honest with you. And it might be a trend for a long time. You know, a lot of guys actually get kicked in the mouth. You know, I know I have on, lost some skin on my nose one time, didn't realize it. So this can be a trend. But I had a chance to see the new face shield, and it's actually pretty cool. The only problem with a face shield kind of concerning is the way we wear the face shield in the past is you just wear it at the top of the face mask so it doesn't necessarily cut your breathing off at your mouth because that's something you want to do. You're trying to suck in air. You're trying to get as much as you can. So I don't see it being a problem because a lot of guys, believe it or not, when they have an issue like a broken jaw and they coming back to protect, like baseball, have they have the new uh, that little shield that covers up one side of the face uh, that's pointed towards the pitcher. I don't see it being an issue. I actually see it being a not only for safety safety concerns now. I see this being something that they will implement into the league for future use because it, I don't believe the way that the shield. I think it has some kind of little holes in it, so they won't have trouble breathing. That would be my only concern because the way some shields are, they fog up. You see guys always wiping it down. Uh, that can be an issue. But for the most part, I don't see the face shield being a huge problem for most guys because most guys actually wear the, the visor. They put that top on so it doesn't bother them. It's for, you know, protecting the upper part of your face. So I just don't see it being an issue. I just I really feel like, again, this is something they will have to work through if it's to keep guys safe. And if this is a great alternative to safety then again, implement it, go ahead and, and just keep tweaking until you get it right. And I feel like that's what the NFL, they're doing right now. They're going to tweak this thing until they get it right. So you don't have no guys that we want to try to minimize. At best, we, we don't want nobody to contract the coronavirus during playing a game. The NHL had over, I want to say it was 2,600 tests conducted. Only two came back positive. And that's some of the same players being tested multiple times. So that those two positive tests could have even been from the same person. Exactly. So I know that they're not able to create the bubble that you've seen for the NBA or the NHL, which the NBA now since July 13th, I don't believe has had any positive tests. It's going to be a travel bubble is what they're going to try to create in the NFL. But like you said, it's one of those things like you're going to see guys have to adjust to new ways of doing things because we have said time and time again, we're in uncharted waters. It's just getting used to something new. But at the end of the day, the fans and it seems as though the players want to play football. So right now, I'm I'm very confident that the NFL is going to have a season. Well, if you want to have a season, you're going to have to adjust and you're going to have to make a sacrifice. Uh, because, again, we're dealing with health. We always deal with health when it comes to sports, but not like this. This is something that is beyond a lot of our control. So if we can find ways to combat that. And that's exactly what we have to do as players. Uh, we got to follow the, the, the right restrictions so we don't we don't do nothing that will you know hurt us or somebody else. So yeah, if they if they want to make a traveling bubble for the NFL, then ex they're paying you. It's your job. So if that's the case, then again, do it. You know, I don't see it being a problem. If you only 16 games a year, that's all we get. You start out with September by December, January, you finish. It's not going to hurt you to be in a kind of a quarantine setting among your peers. That way you guys all protect one another. And our families will be able to adjust to that. So I see if they want to do like a bubble, 
and keep guys kind of like self-quarantined, I don't think that would be an issue at all. You're getting paid for it. I mean, if, if this was a regular job on the streets, you know, if you're working at, you know, Sims and Mark and, you know, a law firm, and they said, this is how we want to do it. Either you adjust or you go, you know, so I don't see this being an issue if they want to do it like that. And the NBA is going to work, even though they're trying to get some people inside of that bubble. But that ain't, you know what, they're going to make sure that they're going to make sure they keep those people outside because this is so much bigger than one guy or a team. This is about a business. This is about a brand. And if, if, if you are employed by the NFL or the NBA, then you have to follow the right guidelines, you know, if you want to keep making some money and playing this game at a top level. Well, there will certainly be more for us to cover as it comes to that front, but we're up against it. You know, guys, I say it time and time again, but if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We are available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can find us at Believe.com and on social media at Believe Podcast. But that is going to do it for us today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll keep you posted as more information comes in. But for Denard Walker, I am Davey Hudson. You have been listening to Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, tighten up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.